I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Peel, doctor, atomic scientist, poet. How now, brown cow? Meteorologist, physicist, marksman. Are you paying attention? John Steed, agent, member of secret elite intelligence arm, traditional. Good morning, constable. Stylish, reserved, lethal. Dr. Peel, I presume. Please, don't get up. I wasn't going to. I was about to throw in the towel. Extraordinary crimes against the people and the state must be avenged by agents extraordinary. Time and place for everything. Quite. If we still have an enemy. Now is the winter of your discontent. The weather is no longer in God's hands, but in mine. Hundreds of millions will die. They'll drown, burn, freeze. And this is merely the beginning. Let our revels begin. After tea. Of course. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate, or you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. This week we'll be chatting about the weather, picnicking with teddy bears, serving tea and macaroons on a London bus, and having a large slice of massive turkey. Yes, it's the Avengers, and joining me to take ten inches overnight is comedian and Welshman Dan Thomas. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh. I, why do I always get the shit ones? I don't know. I volunteer. I think I do volunteer for them. You were really excited about this. Yeah, because I, I was under the impression that everyone else was wrong. Because I remember seeing this in 1998 and not hating it right. like the rest of the world did. Mm. And um, so I thought I'll go back and I will explain to everyone while they're wrong. It's a perfectly good film. Mm. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Is it? It's not good. It's. I mean. No, I mean, obviously we're going to get into it, but this, mm. it's one of those ones where I feel sympathy for it to some extent because it's one of those films that got chopped up by the studio. So whatever the original intentions were yeah. by the filmmakers, this what we see is not it. 
Yeah. And I feel sorry for the film and for them. Yeah. But also for myself and for you because we sat through it. Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, I hadn't seen it probably since it came out. And I remember then, because I was, I was a big fan. Well, not a big fan, but my parents were big fans of the Avengers. So I grew up watching a lot of the Diana Rigg Avengers series. So I, I never really saw it. So I don't even... I, I haven't got like negative or positive associations with the old series that mm-hmm. this film ruined. Yeah, I, I I can just take this. I've seen bits of it. I know it was this mm. weird surreal sixties thing. Yeah, and I can tell that that's what this film has tried to copy in part, unsuccessfully. Well, actually, from the original screenplay, Don McPherson, the British writer of this screenplay, he's actually summed up what the Avengers was. Right. I, I took a note of it. He said, "This is Avengers Land, a parallel world painted by Rennie Magritte, Forever England." Bright pinks, greens and reds, an imperial city in final decadent bloom, white stucco buildings, Regency style and candy colours, a surreally, a surreally 90 city, like a hipper, edgier version of the 60s, preserved in aspic. That's, I mean, that's actually pretty good writing. Mm. Um, he's done a good job there. Yeah. Which, which is obviously further evidence that this could have been a good movie, maybe, if it hadn't been chopped to pieces. This is, this is my biggest takeaway from this. Is it's so incredibly fixable with just a few tweaks. Uh, okay. I, th- I think so. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what I mean as we go on. But the first problem, I think, uh, is the opening tiles are fucking dreadful. The actual, what, the stormy sky with the Yeah, it looks like it's been done in it, Shutterstock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. A lot of the effects shots in this look cheap as fuck. They do. But the opening tiles. Now, the TV series from the 60s has got one of the greatest, glossiest opening title sequences ever. And I know they can't particularly do it because for some reason they've decided to make this an origin story when there's no need. Um, but yeah, the original opening tiles of the TV series are two very sexy, attractive people just dancing about and walking around to this amazing brassy music. But here you get this like really bland. Mm. Uh, score, which we we know, as you explained to me yesterday, wasn't the original composer. It was originally Michael Kamen. Yeah. Uh, but now we've got this bland score with images of weather, basically, and warped writing. Uh, and it's just so dull to sit through. Yeah, it was that. that I'm sure that was just hammered on quick mm. when they were just trying to shit this film out when they realised they weren't going to make any money off it. Because I think there was a pre-credit sequence that we've lost here because. It's so have the, you read the original screenplay? I read through it, yeah. I gave okay. up after a bit when it started to the, the tram line started to match up. But <laughs> there's an opening <laughs> sequence, which if you watch the trailer, is in the trailer, where you see a desolate piece of countryside with one red phone box in the middle of it. And Emma Peel's Jaguar pulls up. She gets out, walks into the phone box, picks up the phone and says, how now, brown cow? And she goes down into this lab and they do an experiment that goes wrong and her husband is killed. Yeah, which you get a little bit of mm. sort of it mentioned in the final film, but yeah. that's a perfectly good way to start. It's certainly a way better way to start in the film than the way they actually do. Yeah, because it starts with Steed doing his really pointless training exercise. It's shit. That's, mm. I mean, it, it's at a mild disadvantage because I've been watching a lot of Hong Kong like Jackie Chan stuff recently. Really good fight scenes. Yeah, this is this is the worst fight scene I've ever seen. Yeah, easily. It's so boring, so lazily choreographed. Mm. Even even when it does cut to a stuntman, even the stuntman looks like he's pulled his back. <laughs> I think we're, we've reached the first problem of the film here, which is I'm a huge fan of Ray Fiennes. I love him. I think he is an amazing actor, and I'll watch most things he's in. But he is not John Steed. He's really badly miscast. 
Well, he doesn't have to be John Steed. He just has to be something or someone who's compelling in a bowler hat, and he's not yeah. even that. No, absolutely. He's so boring in this. And, but we've we sort of almost did because we were watching this at the same time yesterday, yeah. as it turned out, and talking about it on WhatsApp. Yeah, he he's clear. Everyone in this is a good actor, demonstrably good actors, mm. but they are bad in this. Mm. And that's not something that was messed up in the edit. No, they've been badly directed. Mm. And or at least they've been told to do the wrong thing. And the director is Jeremiah S. Chechik. Who, uh, for if you're playing the home game, was the director of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. So, which I'm not against. I quite like that film. But I'm not sure you want to give him 60 million quid. Now, he's probably used to dealing with difficult people because uh, I don't know if you know the story, but Christmas Vacation was originally a Chris Columbus film. Right. But Chevy Chase was such a prick to him that he got him fired. And then... <laughs> Chechik was brought in to kind of save it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's obviously a competent director. And yeah. you you told me that he's friends with or he's friends with Ray Fiennes at the time. Yeah, I don't know how they know each other. I don't know mm. what world that is. But yeah, mm. apparently were, they were looking for someone to do together for years. Mm. So when this came over his desk, they would that's a bad turn of phrase. It's a bit, yeah. Um they just decided that they were gonna make it together and they did. Mm. In a way. It's the problem with this, and it's probably coming from the script as well, but maybe the direction, I don't know. But it's got too many we're doing something quaint and strange, isn't that funny moments? Yeah. Like, I and brought some macaroons. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's setting up a payoff, the macaroon scene, which is like scene two. Because it does whip through straight away. Yeah. We go straight from a fight scene that's shit to mm -hmm. um, a briefing about macaroons. Mm. Oh, no, no, we see his arse first. Who's, oh, Ray finds his ass. Yeah. No, you, you first see, um, you first meet Jim Broadbent as mother. Yeah. Because he explains that, well, he, he, he's being told that uh, the Prospero weather pro system is down. And he goes, all of it. He's telling the Prime <coughs> Minister, he goes, all of it. And then he goes, yes, that's bad. And for some reason, mother <laughs> in this has got fingerless gloves, is covered in dandruff, and has always got a fag on. Right. Now then, is that correct for the series no in the series he's very well turned out he is in a wheelchair but he's very very well turned out right is i mean is that just what jim broadbent looks like i think so i will come to that later because <laughs> i told you my favorite bit of the film we'll get to you later it just sums up the entire film um so anyway yes then you're right then dr emma peel uh, she's at home and every time when someone is introduced they get a little writing across the bottom telling you who they are which is always yeah. a good sign uh, she ran the Prospero project, which is what we've had the problem. She gets a message to meet John Sneed. Oh, mm. but the way she gets this message, mm. she gets a telegram to her house. Yes. Telling her to pick up the phone, which then rings. Yes. Now, in a film that wasn't shit, that would be <laughs> some sort of foreshadowing of something, other than just being quirky for quirk's sake. Mm. Again, another example of that. Yeah. Yeah. They hired an actor to deliver the telegram. That cost them about 400 quid for yeah. no reason. <laughs> and, and also decorating her house with all this objet d'art from the 60s. That must have cost a fortune. Yeah. She's got one of those phones you only used to see in German porn mags. Right, that is so specific. <laughs> That's incredibly specific. <laughs> well, I, I always used to see it in German porn. It's like a phone that looks like a rocket with a flat base. And when you pick it up... You, you're effectively taking it off the hook. And when you put it down, you're putting it back on the hook. But that's... It's not just German porn. Yes, it is. <laughs> also, who's seen a bunch of German porn and what they come away from it is like, 
Two are, uh, I like their phones. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> now, she gets a message that she has to go to Boodles. Oh, yeah. Which is hilarious because, Dan, it's a gentleman's club. Yeah. And she, as you're well aware, is a woman. As is explained, now women in Boodles, not since 1774. Mm, I, mean, I think it's the same club from Die Another Day, pretty sure. Actually, I think it actually is, isn't it? Yeah. I think it is. It looks identical. But she walks into Steed, who's in a room on his own with a fountain in it, in the nude, reading a paper. Is it supposed to be a sauna? I'm guessing so, but it doesn't Who look like a sauna. Who takes a newspaper into a fucking sauna? Yeah, yeah. Again, I think this is one of those, isn't this funny moments? And it's like, no, it's just a bit no. weird. It's a weird I'm choice. i show his backside. Yeah. He says, I was just about to throw in the towel. I've got a towel. No, and the other uh, problem this film's got is immediately apparent here is that Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes have zero chemistry. Yeah. It, that must have been apparent early on, surely. Well, I thought that big films like this, you used to have chemistry tests. You'd have the mm. people who were up for the part, you'd film them together and see what happens. And imagine, I mean, I can't imagine who else auditioned next to Ray Fiennes if this is who they went with. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, we're, we're thinking of hiring just a, um, just a large box to play Emma Peel, yeah. uh, but they didn't have any chemistry, uh, and then there's a dead rat, and then eventually Uma Thurman signed up. Well, I guess this is, I guess Uma Thurman's in it, I mean, because the year before this, Uma Thurman does Batman and Robin, which as we all know is a very famous bomb. She yeah. then does this, but she's probably still got enough credit in the bank from Pulp Fiction and other things, and she is good, I'm not saying she's not good, she's great. Uh, and Ray Fiennes, obviously, Schindler's List was a big so you've got two quite sexy, happening film stars. What else has he done? Because it's five years since Schindler's List by this yeah, point. I don't know. He had, I guess there was... Uh, what was the um, Catherine Bigelow cyberpunk thing? Strange, Strange Days. Days. But was that... That wasn't know. a hit. No, it wasn't. It was a cult it's, hit, wasn't it? But... Yeah, but mm. he, wasn't, he wasn't big. Yeah, he wasn't like box office. Schindler's List. Then he does Quiz Show. He gets Oscar nominated for that. Oh, kids love quiz show. Oh, here we go, here we go. This is it. The English Patient was before this. Oh, that's the one. Mm. That's the one. He signed up for this while he was doing The English Patient because they predicted that that was going to push him over the top, which I guess it kind of did. I think it did, yeah. Did, and did... then he did this and he kind of broke even and he was back to where he was doing Strange Days. Yeah. I like Uma Thurman and a lot of things, but I, I find her accent exhausting in this. <laughs> it's exhausting. I don't know what she's trying to do. It sounds so forced that I found it exhausting. Yeah, um, but I find his he is English and his accent is exhausting. Yes, no, that's so, true. Yeah, they're so English. Oh, don't because then uh, I I I I'm going to count this. Okay, so they then go and see Mother together, and on the way there in his car because it's it, that's canon from the TV series. Steed has got an old 1930s car Bentley type thing, and Peel's got a Jag. That's from the TV series. But on the way there, his car produces tea. Yeah. And then he says, time for tea. And then he says, everyone goes home for tea. And at this point, I'm just thinking, had the writer just assumed, because it's British? And I know the writer's British as well, but every fucking five seconds is tea. My theory is that this, the the guy who wrote it is a pseudonym for two racist Welsh-Wilian writers (laughs) 
who uh, uh, just you know like I don't know if you've, I don't know how many thirties Nazi era comedies you've seen right uh-huh. but they used to have a lot of Jewish characters and they would be those horrible stereotypes. Oh. This is that version, but about English people. Yeah, it's just two Welshmen sitting round drinking booze that they've made themselves in a bucket <laughs> and smoking. Fags going, right, what are fucking else like? What else do English people like now? They got bowler hats, they got fucking bowler hats to And um and a tea. I mean drinking tea all the fucking time. Like like in the car there's like a thing comes out, drink fucking tea. I what else they fucking do now? They sit in a sauna with their ass out reading the paper. Write that all down. Glenn, Glenn, write it all down now. Fucking English prick. <laughs> And they got old cars as well, didn't they? Because they won't get a nice new... Like, I just got a Corsa, and it's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd go with that, actually, because that's, that's the only theory that makes sense. It is. Honestly, do you not... As an English man, do you not find this offensive to your people? I really, really do, yeah. And it doesn't even end here. There's so much of it. And they go and see Mother. And it turns out that... Because, obviously, what else do the English always talk about, Dan? The weather. The weather, yeah. So the weather becomes the whole fucking deus machina of this film. Ex machina, I should say. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just so annoying. And it turns out that Prospero is a weather umbrella that can stop nuclear attacks. Oh, God, I missed that. Is it? So I thought it was... Okay. Oh, wait. So what? It's... I'll be honest with you, I kind of blacked out a lot in this yeah, film both yeah, yeah, times. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's a weather umbrella. So yeah. it's not protecting you from the weather, it's weather protecting you from other things. Yes. So, and again, because it's British, it's an umbrella. Weather, tea, bowler hats. Brolly. 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 Oh, yeah, we're going to get there in a minute. Um, and But the, the problem is, is that the research lab has been blown up. And Mother says, would you like to see a picture of who did it? And then Steve looks at him and goes, after tea... And he goes, oh, of course. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, that's they've talked about tea four times in the last few minutes. Yeah, and macaroons. And macaroons. Yeah, you're not allowed to have mother's macaroons. He says, if he offers you a macaroon, say no. And then the, you, you're assuming there's going to be other cakes. And then it turns out all he's got is macaroons. Yeah. And, and I, it, it, it doesn't... And there's no explanation for the macaroon thing. Is that it's just no. sort of a shit payoff in the third act. Yeah. I'm assuming maybe originally it had um, some more important thing or more funny thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, fucking, you know the English, they love a macaroon. So what if they got, I tell you what, what if they got ninja stars that are macaroons? Write that down. They just fucking throw sharp macaroons at each other like a bunch of twats. So we then see a, a video of uh, the person who sabotaged and blew up the research lab, and it's Emma Peel. Yeah. And she says it's not her. But her and Steed are going to work together to find out who is behind it. There is no reason for this plot line either, is there? No, it's, not at all. Because they go, it's not like the plot is she has to prove her innocence. No. They go, oh, oh look, she looks like Emma Peel. And she goes, well, it's not me. And they're like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And then they leave and then Father comes out. Now, Father, I think, was only in one episode of the original TV series. And it was right. a, a woman as well. That's the joke, I suppose. Uh, but it's Fiona Shaw. And because it's Fiona Shaw, you immediately think, well, she's the baddie. Because that's all <laughs> Fiona Shaw plays. But, um... So she comes out and she's got these sunglasses on and I'm guessing she's supposed to be blind. Because yes, when she yeah. comes out, she's literally feeling along the banister when she walks. Yeah. And she's got like an assistant with her. And I'm thinking, okay, so she's blind. Okay. I'm pretty sure for the rest of this film, she's not blind. 
What do you mean? Well, the rest of the film, when you see her, she is doing nothing to indicate she's blind. She's like walking around. All she is doing is wearing sunglasses. The bit where she's playing... Oh, I suppose when she's playing croquet... I was going to say, there's the one scene where Sean Connery cheats at croquet. That's true. But there's no more kind of blind acting going on after that. There's no, oh, I better feel where I'm going. She doesn't go the Al Pacino. Oh! Yeah. Oh! Oh Oh-ha! Where's my stick? Oh! I love these rolls. Wow, you've got Pacino and Walken. Yeah, it's Al Pacino. Yeah. By the way, Smash the Smash mentions have become the Dan Thomas Wilkins Stan Club. <laughs> Just so you know. Oh, cool. Every time I say anything, it's like you should get Dan on to do his Christopher Walken for that. For anything. He's not even in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to try and just crowbar a walk-in in any chance I get. That's fine. Okay. Uh, so then they go to... Now, this is a weird decision as well. I'm guessing this is a director's decision. I don't know. But then Peel and Steed go to his tailors and have a fencing match while they kind of give each other backstory about one another. Yeah. It's really weird. And loads of other people, are up, when they go downstairs, there's other people sort of perusing the tailors but not even re- looking at the fact that these two people are having a sword fight. Well, is it for spies? Is it like a shop for spies? Yeah, I'm guessing Trubshaw is supposed to be like his cue, I guess. God, John, John Wood is treated very shabbily. Isn't he? He's, Isn't he's, he? He's a proper, you know, classic English actor. And he's got, I assume again, it was a much bigger part. I'm guessing so, yeah. Yeah, and he basically just fits Steed with a new for a new waistcoat or gives a new waistcoat, which comes important later. And then we hear a bit about Peel's background, and then they leave. And as they leave, Eddie Izzard is skulking. Yeah, and it's peak Eddie Izzard as well. Yeah, this I mean, is when he was supposed a... to be the funniest man in the world. Yeah, and I love the fact that they've ostensibly made what is supposed to be a light-hearted comedy action adventure film, hmm. and hired the most straight actors they can find to do the comedy and then given the one comedian no fucking lines. He has one line down. Which I believe is ADR. Oh, do you think? <laughs> it's the worst ADR I've ever heard in my life. We will get to that later. I, I had to wind it back and listen to it again. It was so bad. It was like that. Did you see that clip recently where um, there was an EastEnders episode where they had to ADR, obviously via Zoom? No, I think I saw you tweet this and I didn't yeah. uh, watch it yet. Did he mention Sharon? I weren't really there for the full Mitchell bulletin. Come on, this breakfast is important. I was just about to call you. It's amazing. It was This Eddie Izzard line is like that. It's like he's done it over the phone. It's so bad. <laughs> um, so he watched the And movie. it's not a funny line. It's, no. We'll get to it, but what, we'll get to it. But, oh, what mm. is the point? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't... It was funny without it, but I suppose they just thought he hasn't said anything at all, so... Uh. Um, so, so they go with that cracking line, yeah. They do. So they, they get back in Steve's car and they have more tea... Fuck off. <laughs> um, and they go to visit their biggest lead, which is Sir August de Winter, who is a fanatical meteorologist and chairman of Broly. And I'm thinking, Broly, okay, that's that's a fun name. And it's obviously yeah. an acronym. What's it an acronym for? Well, Dan, it's the British Royal, Royal Organisation for, for Lasting, lasting liquid, liquid Years. years. What like, the fuck does that mean? That makes no sense. Is it for for more rain? I'm guessing so. But that's not what he's after. No. <laughs> that's, I mean, honestly, take another 10 minutes. Yeah. Just call anyone and go, oh, just help me out with this. It's, I mean, we could probably, right, this is probably a mistake, but we could mm. probably think of a better one right now. 
My name's Jason Fleming. The More Than My Past podcast will see me talking to a wide range of inspiring people. People who have confronted and overcome addiction or imprisonment or both and turned their lives around. I did mad things that was hurting myself and hurting other people. Everybody grows up in a house called normal. Heroin addiction and chaos was my normal. Some people don't understand the word moderation and uh, I was definitely one of those people. The More Than My Past podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And then he mentions, by the way, just off the cuff, that they think British weather had been tampered with by aliens. Yep, and that's never mentioned again. Never mentioned again. That might have been an that's, interesting plot. That might. That's just a bit of. That's just background colour for the character. Yeah, but don't worry, Dan, because just when this conversation is going a bit awry, he then says, "More tea." This would probably be a great drinking game. Every yeah. time somebody has a drink of tea, you just you just drink that amount of whiskey. Yeah. Oh, I think that's about the fifth or sixth mention of it so far. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, Steve says, I'll snoop around, you go and distract him. So she walks into his house and just is able to just wander into his greenhouse. Meanwhile, when we first see De Winter, who's Sean Connery, he's playing the organ like the Phantom of the Opera. And above him is a portrait of a lady who looks exactly like Uma Thurman. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing that was a very big plot at one point. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't get visited again. Nope. Um, it's it's so. I mean, I don't know how long they took editing this, but yeah. no one checked through the print before no. it was sent out. No, definitely not. Because you'd cut that bit, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. Because it doesn't mean anything. No. Because what you're saying there with him playing the organ like the Phantom of the Opera and having that lady's portrait is he's, he's obviously a widow. A widower. He's very sad that his wife's dead, so he's playing the organ like the Phantom of the Opera. So you'd think that'd be in the plot that he sees him appeal and he's like, "Oh my God, it's my wife." I must have her. But no, that doesn't come back. 
Well, to be fair, that does, considering it's Sean Connery, it does make sense that he thinks she's his wife because the first thing he does is strangle her. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that we need to talk about that because that is not how you introduce your character. <laughs> no. No. It's, it, unless, I mean, I know he's the villain, but he's not scary. No. He's just weird. Yeah. She's walking through the greenhouse in loads of bushes and he, you're expecting someone to jump out at her. He jumps out at her and puts his hand round her throat and then kisses her. Yeah. That's just weird. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering if that was originally supposed to be he thinks it's the clone Mm. and he's... That's kinky. That's the kinky Mm. thing he does with the clone. And then he realizes, ah, wrong one. Whoops. Mm. Trying to be professional. Evening. Yeah, possibly. That would make more sense. I think, you know what, I think we turn this podcast into a drinking game by every time one of us says, that would make more sense, (laughs) you drink. Yeah. God, people are going to (laughs) die. But then we have a little bit of, I guess, funny dialogue. I mean, not the way Connery does it, but yeah. On Mm. the page, it's not bad. Yeah, because he basically shows around his greenhouse and it goes a bit carry on. So he shows her a giant plant and says, asks her to touch it. In touch. Well, no, there's the. Is it the before or after he goes? Oh, it was. Actually, yeah, you can't help but go Roger Moore to do these lines. Yeah. I think they should have got Roger Moore to do it. Mm. Because he would have a lot more fun with it. Because mm. Sean Connery doesn't deliver lines like in India, I got 10 inches. No. With anything like humour. No, it's absolutely just, right. What's the line after it? Oh, never fear getting wet. He says, one should never fear being wet. Hmm? It doesn't sound. I don't know what the hell it sounds like coming from Connery, whereas Roger Moore, even as a bad guy, going, you should never fear getting wet. Mm. That would, you know. Yeah, because the reason he likes Peel is that she's a meteorologist as well, so they've got that in common. And he basically just said he loves the weather. That's his thing. I love weather. And then um, he shows her that plant. He says it's the rarest plant in the world. It shouldn't exist, but here it is. And then he says, touch it. Go on, touch it. Go on, touch it. Mm. Touch it. And she says, I don't want to. And he goes, go on, touch it. Go on, touch it. <laughs> Just touch the tip. Go on. It had a green fly on it last week. <laughs> and then she says, well, it was a waste of time me coming here because you clearly don't know anything. And he gets super angry and shouts at her a bit. And the music all builds up. And then because it's this film, he stops and then says, tea? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Fucking hell. <laughs> Meanwhile, Peel is wandering through the grounds of his house and f- suddenly the weather turns. But has the weather already windy. turned? I have no but idea. I think by the time we cut back to Ray Fines, the weather's already turned without any explanation. So two minutes early, yeah. we've seen clear skies. Mm. It's just... that is the, This is one of the choppiest bits of yeah. a very choppy film. That it, it feels like he's somewhere else as well. So it's, it's really confusing. It's really confusing because they use that same bit Later on, when they're on yeah. a, in another, they're on that island. Later on, yeah. it's the same set. Yeah. So it's really confusing. Uh, but he gets stuck in a phone box because it's so windy, and then we go back to De Winter and Peel, and they're having tea, obviously. And he says, uh, "What will your friend be joining us?" And she says, "What friend?" And he says, "Ah." Oh. And then he says, "Well, we don't get many trespassers around here." She says, "Why not?" He says, "We shoot them." That's, which is quite a nice line. Yeah. 
And then Peel comes out of the phone box. And it's, oh, sorry. Steed comes out of the phone box and there's snow everywhere. And then Mrs. Peel, clone, as we later find out, arrives on a hu- with some huskies. <laughs> Which are handy. Huskies who 10 minutes earlier would have been suffering in the heat. Yeah, that's right. And she shoots him. We assume, we assume. he goes... There's a shot off mm. camera. He mm. falls down. Yeah. She holds the gun over him and then cuts it. Yeah, and then he wakes up and he's in Mrs. Peel's flat or his own flat. Uh, I can't remember. No, they I both, can't. They both. Oh, it, it's his flat. I think. Oh, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. He wakes up anyway and he's on he's on a sofa, um, uh, and Mrs. Peel says, "Tea," <laughs> and he says, "Oh." <laughs> And he says, thank God for my Trubshaw bulletproof waistcoat. Yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. So we understand how he survived the shot. Mm-hmm. There is no further explanation of how he got where he is. No. Also, you don't get knocked out if you get shot by a bulletproof... If you get shot on a bulletproof cardigan or whatever he's wearing. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You don't pass out. It hurts. Mm. But he he just passes out clean and then wakes up in his flat where... And she's dragged him there. Is that the situation? Yeah. I guess so. But it doesn't say, does it? No, it doesn't make right. any sense. It doesn't okay, say. Good, good. Um, so then they go to Wonderland Weather because they got that lead because she found a snow globe at um, De Winter's house that was for Wonderland Weather. Right. So that, so Steed walks into Wonderland Weather and he sees Keely Hawes behind the oh, desk. So, Jimmy, well, we'll get to this now, mm, but mm. It's, isn't it like there's about 30 different like snow globes? Yeah, loads And of she's them. picked them all up and I hope one of these... Mm. Is useful for mm-hmm. you know. I hope one of these points us in the right direction. You can have a bunch of like snow globes from everywhere. They can't check everywhere. Like oh, this one's from Butlins. Let's check out Butlins. Oh, I Let's... saw this one in the German port bag. <laughs> this was from a... right. We should definitely go and look at some Scheiser porn in Berlin. Right, it's an important lead. This <laughs> one's from this one's from Oakwood. Might be something going on in Oakwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they got right. This one. This one's definitely a lead. Yeah, Wonderland weather. And um, so Steve goes to Wonderland weather. He go. He sees the receptionist is played by Keely Hawes. Who looks rather nice. Yes. <clears throat> and um, he's, he's talking to her about how he is from a, <laughs> an organisation that needs um, the roses rained on all the time. Yeah. Because they're getting eaten by ladybirds. <laughs> this is the worst. And it's almost the way you're delivering it is how mm. he does it. Yeah, yeah. I'm undercover. Uh, right. What's the cover story? Uh, we need more rain because of ladybirds on the plants. She's gone. Oh, fair enough. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, nailed that. And then we cut to a boardroom with lots of multicolored giant teddy bears sat around it. Which, for most people, is probably the only scene anyone remembers from this. Mm, yeah. And apparently, this scene is the reason Jeremiah Chechik wanted to do the film. Wow. Really? That's what he says. Well, that was like his, Id- his first idea. It wasn't his idea. It was already in the screenplay when he read it. And right. He goes, I'm doing this. This I mean, is brilliant. To be fair, it's the most... Like the TV series moment <coughs> in the whole film. Yes. You compare this to the bit later on where they're in a fast car chase firing machine guns. That's not really something you'd find in the TV series. But a load of weird English people sat around a table dressed as teddy bears you would definitely find in the Avengers. So yeah. I haven't got a huge problem with it. It's just the fact that when he, when he's short, when it's Sean Connery talking from within a giant black bear, and then when he removes the head and you see it is Sean Connery, it's a bit hard for your brain to accept it. <laughs> Why? Uh, it feels like he's being held against his will. 
Because he looked... Well, actually, Sean Connery. Because it is Sean Connery. It's like if someone said to you, oh, I saw this great film last night, right, where this giant teddy bear, right, and he takes off his head and it's Sean Connery inside, you think, the fuck's the matter with you? What I'm going to do now hmm. is remind you of the costume that Sean Connery has in Zardoz. Yeah. At least, yeah. at a man, he was, what, late 60s by this point? At least he's warm. Mm. Mm. He, at least, bear in mind, thing is, Sean Connery lives in Spain because of his knees or something, because mm. it's warmer there. Yeah. This was probably the most comfortable he was in the entire shoot, wearing this uh, teddy bear thing. Finally get warm, finally. I just, he sounds... Sciatica. I had to recently watch The Rock, which is, yes. what, three years before this. Yeah. He sounds so much older in this. He sounds really tired. And fed up and old. Yeah. He was nearing retirement. I think he knew it. Yeah. I mean, didn't didn't you say he almost retired after this? Yeah, he said that this was... Because he... Yeah, he was disappointed by the reaction it got. Hmm. Um, but bear in mind, I, was, I had a look through his IMDb page yesterday. Hmm. He, he didn't make a lot of good movies in the 90s. Didn't, no. He made 14, 13 or 14 films in the 90s. And like, two of them are good. What are they? The Untouchables? And, no, sorry, The Rock and... Um... The Rock and uh, uh, um, Hunt for Red October. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, a lot of people like Russia House. It's not for me. No. That one was the one with... Um, was it called Family Business? That was that was the 80s. That was, was 89 it? with Dustin oh, Hoffman. All oh, right, yeah. The 80s wasn't too bad for him, but the 90s no. was, wasn't great. In the 90s, Sean Connery did. So he starts off with The Hunt for Red October. Boom, I mean, strong. Ceiling. Then The Russia House. Yeah, not for me, but okay. Highlander 2, The Quickening. Famously mm-hmm. fascinating film. Yeah. Uh, Medicine Man. <laughs> Which I actually don't hate, but no, I haven't seen I it in a long right. time. Rising Sun, where he plays a Japanese culture expert. <laughs> it's so offensive. It is. I'm very octetar. <laughs> you mean pissed off? Yes, pissed off. A <laughs> uh, Good Man in Africa, not seen it. Just Cause is very boring. Is it? I've never yeah. seen that one. First Night... Oh, I was filmed in Wales. It was. So Directed by awesome. one of the Zucker brothers. Brilliant. So I like it. Dragonheart. Don't like it. Never no, liked it. No, The Rock. I like Great. that. Yeah, love that movie. The Avengers, Playing by Heart. You know, have, you, have you seen Playing by Heart? No. Oh my God. It was, it was, it's so weird. You've got to see it. Hmm. It's, it's a family drama. It's an ensemble thing. And it's, it's, it's like a play and everyone is Everyone's terrible in it. But mm. It's got a, such a weird cast. It's Sean Connery, John Stewart, Gillian Anderson, Dennis Quaid as an alcoholic. It's wow. it's a it's a but everyone just you can tell they just everyone worked three days on it and doesn't really know what they're doing. But it's I don't know you could never make a movie like this anymore because wow. it's about nothing and it's got an absolute A list cast. Wow, yeah, I'm just looking at it now. Bloody hell. Wow. And then he landed off the, the decade with Entrapment. Yes. Which, Which is uh, ridiculous. And then he only did two more films. Well, no, wait a minute. So he did Finding Forest, which I've never yeah. seen. And then League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But if you look at 2012... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sir Billy! <laughs> yeah. But wasn't that recorded like years and years and years before? Yes, probably. It looks good, though. The it's Guardian not. of the Highlands. It's dog shit. Is it? No, you, you, you must be wrong. I'm looking at the pictures now. It looks absolutely <laughs> amazing. It looks like a credit sequence for a daytime BBC programme about auctions. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably retired after this as well, really. Yeah. I, mean, I bet he wishes he had now. 
Thing is, they off actually he could have sealed off because after he retired from with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, hmm. Spielberg did offer him obviously Indiana Jones four, hmm. and he thought I'm not risking it. Hmm. And I thought you're a fool, hmm. but obviously he was right. Anyway, <clears throat> so the teddy bears are having a meeting all round the table. And he, he thanks them all for their service and says, very Bondy moment, he says, does anyone wish to resign? Two of them put their hands up and he kills them both. I hate this bit. Yeah. Because he throws darts at them. Mm. And the darts are very small. Mm. They would not have pierced the very thick teddy costume. No. I don't buy this. For us. No. This is the only part of this film that I find implausible. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'm with it all the way through. It was, it was here it started to fall apart for me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where we start to see that this film's been chopped to fuck because we then cut from there to Steed being led down the stairs by Keely Hawes and suddenly uh, Mrs. Peel's with him as well and they don't do any kind of line to say ah, thanks for joining us Mrs. Peel or anything because a, a minute ago she was not with him no um, so this is where you start thinking mm. uh, so I guess the scene introducing her had got cut out so they have a look round and then Keely Hawes is called away for a phone call and then they walk straight into the boardroom that Connery was just in and find the two corpses just lying there. Where's everyone else gone? Exactly. And wouldn't you take those with you? You'd have thought so, because it's not, you can't leave that for the poor cleaning woman at five. No. Well, with her back. Unless it's a cleaning man and he's got a thing for dead men dressed as teddy bears. <laughs> We've got a very... Should we take their corpses with us? No, there's a, there's a, there's a cleaner called... <laughs> Who has a very specific perversion? Oh, good. Well, I'm glad he's enjoying himself. He's going to love this. Mm. He's going to love this. Two of them. Oh, lucky Trev. There should be a post-credit scene where that cleaner comes into the boardroom with his pants around his ankles and he's like, <laughs> oh. oh, I'll blow a dart into him. <laughs> Go on. Cut tea. Or he just hangs himself when he sees that Dewint is dead. Oh, that's the end of that. So when they see that, they then see two teddy bears run off in different directions. So Steve chases one. He says, I'll take the high road. No, she says, I'll take the high road. He says, I'll take the low road. Uh, Good reference there to the Scottish uh, soap opera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's good. I like the way they've done that. That's, again, the two Welsh writers going, they fucking love that show as well. Stick that down. Nobody (laughs) in Scotland watches that bollocks, but the English think it's fucking lush. Uh, so he chases them down and and Steve goes to an alleyway and he finds Eddie Azard and his gang of heroin addicts. Um, so you've got Eddie Izzard with big sideburns, long hair, longish hair, shaggy, blondie um, hair that he had in the 90s. And then his his gang of heroin actors are saying, one of them is Sean Ryder. Yes. Who looks good. Well, I mean, you'd grade in on a curve there. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I hadn't seen this for a long time. And I saw it and was like, wow, Sean Ryder looked quite good in 1998, didn't he? But you're comparing him to now. Yeah, true. In now, 1998, he made children weep in the street. <laughs> now he looks like a a, a, a testicle. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he looks like a, he only looks like a younger testicle in the Avengers. That's true. But then you get the scene that's never ever going to happen in film history ever again, where Ray Fiennes has to fight Sean Ryder. <laughs> Put that in the script. They fucking love Sean Ryder. They do. <laughs> they fucking love beating up Sean Ryder. <laughs> So they have this fight. He beats everybody up, and then they all drive off in a black van, and then they leave behind a map. Oh God! Uh, Actually, it was. It's when I rewatched this, I realised maybe it wasn't the 
the studio interference that made this movie shit because they drive off and the map is where is they've just dropped the map under the tire or something mm. and driven off and like which is just lazy writing. Yeah. All of it's lazy writing. All the plot progression is shit. Yeah, it's like Scooby Doo, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't know if this is a the way it was in the old series, so it's an homage to that of it's just shit writing. I don't think it was this bad in the old series. Right, okay. The original series had what what this film is lacking. The original series had um, is charm. Yeah, you'd forgive everything in this film if the two leads were exciting, and there was a genuine feeling throughout this that it was very tongue in cheek and charming, rather than being smug. Like you say, this film's smug, Mm. but it has no money in the bank to be that smug. No, and and there's no lightness of touch to the most of the actors. I like Broadbent. I like Fiona Shaw. Oh, so then. Steed gets to the roof where um, Mrs. Peel is fighting with the teddy bear. And when she takes the head off, it's the other Mrs. Peel. Uh, so she has a fight with her. That Mrs. Peel jumps off the roof. And then Steed is like, well, I believe you now because I've seen the doppelganger. So I know it's not you that's done this. So Steed now knows there are two Peels. So we then go to the Ministry Mobile Headquarters, which, wait for it, is a London red bus. Of course it is. They fucking love them. <laughs> So Steed says, oh, look, I think someone else is behind this. It's not Mrs. Peels. I've seen two of them. Even though none of us were particularly suspicious of her in the first place. No. Apart from Father. <sighs> yeah. So then we get a scene that you'd only find in this film where De Winter does a test of his weapon. Uh, so he turns it on, fires it, loads of clouds and electricity comes out, and then you cut to his face and he says, to nobody else in the room, by the way, a perfect dress rehearsal. Well... <laughs> I thought there was somebody else here. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Hey, come back. Did you hear that? You're in the other room. I was just saying it's a perfect dress rehearsal. For what? It doesn't matter. Oh. oh well, I've, said, I've said too much of anything. <laughs> Would you touch it? <laughs> and that's end of part one of this episode of Smirshpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And you know, Why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time. If you're a fan of all things geeky, you're going to love Con Sessions, a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Hyten and myself, Beck Hill. 
where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Con Sessions.